everybody. Hey, David. I mean, you're already here. You don't have to say hi. How's it going? I, I'm doing okay. It's a little hot here today. If you need any indication, we don't have a full episode. Yeah, we're releasing another short this week. There'll be a new episode next week. Before we get to this so-called short. What do you mean so-called? It's just a short. It is? You sound, you sound uh, skeptical about the content of this episode, Sam. No, this is, this is actually a fun episode to record. But before we get to that, can you talk a little bit about the article that we put out last week? Oh, yeah. So uh, one of the holdups to uh, putting out a new episode is that we decided to write a piece about anti-Semitism in Canada that we put up on JewSchool.com. We were just comparing the numbers that Statistics Canada has documented about anti-Semitic incidents and compared that with Bonabarist numbers and talked a bit about that discrepancy, where it's coming from, and different ways of understanding anti-Semitism in the country. There were some nifty charts as well. Yeah, put some time into making that work. And uh, Bernie Farber tweeted at us. Oh, yeah, we got a kind of endorsement. I mean, no one who listens to the show knows who Bernie Farber is. However, Bernie Farber didn't tell us we were wrong. That was the interesting part. Yeah. I mean, it's possible that he didn't actually read the article, but he definitely didn't disagree with us. I mean, to people who are listening and want to know who Bernie Farber is, he's sort of this holdover figure from an earlier version of the institutional Jewish community in Canada, where it was a bit more liberal in structure and in orientation. Anyway, he he tweeted at us saying that he thought B'nai B'rith's numbers uh, were suspect. I mean, you're implying a little bit, but uh, that's, that's what I took away from his tweet as well. Yeah. He said that they didn't have enough context. Yes. I think we should move away from this history lesson a little bit and point people in the direction of our website, trayfpodcast.tumblr.com or Juice School and or the show notes for this episode where you can find a link to the article. But the short that you're about to listen to is not about anti-Semitism in Canada. It's about another podcast, the podcast that we're fans of. Another podcast called Radio Free Babylonia. A couple weeks ago, we were talking about how it would be cool to showcase or highlight other Jewish-inflected podcasts that we find interesting. Yeah, so we called up Mo and Michal from Radio Free Babylonia to talk a bit about the podcast, how it started, and, and also what their perspective is on the things that they talk about on the show. And to get you in the spirit of this podcast, we're going to lead you in with Radio Free Babylonia's intro music. So enjoy. We can hear you not hearing us. How about now, guys? Uh, we can hear you. Excellent. Okay. We are in a bait midrash. We snuck into the Columbia Student uh, Jewish Life Center. The Hillel. We're, the Hillel. Hillel. we're in the Hillel. We're in the Hillel's <laughs> building, and we're um, broadcasting out of their bait midrash, where you know they have all their beautiful Torah books and uh, and all the money that they could spare from birthright trips and all that jazz. <laughs> The important thing. Uh, um, so is it okay if we just jump into it? Yeah, sure. Yeah. 
Okay, great. Yeah. Um, hi, I'm Mo Martin. I am a Jewish educator, and uh, I study Torah and resist the urge to be a professional Torah scholar at every turn. Hi, I'm Michal Richardson. I'm, I don't even know what I am. I, um, I have many titles. By day, I am an associate producer on educational media, preschool apps. I could say that I am many other things, uh, dancer, calligrapher, I don't even know anymore. But for purposes of Radio Free Babylonia, I am the editor and producer of Radio Free Babylonia. Oh, and this is Mo. He's the writer and presenter of Radio Free Babylonia. Yeah, I am the writer and presenter of Radio Free Babylonia, a radical Talmud podcast. And how did the two of you first meet? It is a 21st century love story. Uh, boy likes girl. Girl's not feeling boy. Girl agrees to produce boy's podcast. <laughs> it was a match made in heaven. Yeah. But it was also that... Um, Mo had a first draft of what he wanted to be his podcast and or I'm trying to remember what order things happened in um, because you signed up to do a sermon slam. Right. Uh, Jewish Public Media, who produces our podcast, started out doing an activity called Sermon Slam, which was like a poetry slam or spoken word contest for uh, Jewish content. And... I participated in the first one in New York City in Brooklyn, and I sort of optimistically described myself as the creator of a podcast. Fortunately, Jewish Public Media said, well, we're very interested in podcasts. Send us what you have. So I sent them a script, which was all that I had, and they sicked Mahal on my case. Uh, I, I sicked myself on the case, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I, I really loved the draft that Mo sent us, and I thought that he had a voice and a passion about Talmud, specifically Talmud's application for present-day progressive issues that I felt was not being heard, and I wanted to help make that heard. So, Michal, what is your relationship with Jewish public media? I am a co-founding vice president. I'm a co-founder of Jewish Public Media. I have ended up being kind of a creative consultant on a few other podcasts. I do some editing also on the podcast Joy of Text, which is a uh, sex-positive orthodox podcast for whom I am not the target audience, but I'm happy to help it get made. And I put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into taking out the mouth sounds of Mo Martin in Radio <laughs> Free Babylonia. Mo, do you want to give us an example of those mouth sounds? Mm. Say the word. Say the word oral. Oral Torah. <laughs> That's the stuff. <laughs> Everything we take out of of Radio Free Babylonia will go into our side project, Mo and the Mouth Sounds. <laughs> you guys know. You discover all these things about your own voice by doing radio. And um, the episode, we have a new episode that's coming out tonight or tomorrow. Um, in the new episode, I think that you said the word with one time that I really liked, and I just took the TH sound and put it on all of your other wits oh all God. over the episode. Michal has taken over the part that I was dreading doing when I... So I, I, I got the idea for Radio Free Babylonia because my friend... Dan Pasternak, who does a great show called uh, Never Forget Radio out of Philadelphia, Dan has a real DIY 
punk aesthetic and uh, DIY punk ethos that I also share. And uh, the idea was to do everything myself, like Dan does for his show, which is incredible to me now that I've seen what goes into a podcast. But I fortunately stumbled upon Jewish public media and stumbled upon Michal, my, my, my very good friend. And she took over everything that I would have hated doing. I really would have hated listening to myself constantly and picking out small things. You know, if if the show was just mine, it would be recorded on my iPhone and just slapped online in one take in some godforsaken spot on the Internet that doesn't even like upload to iTunes because I don't have the patience to figure out how to upload to iTunes. I almost don't have the patience to figure out how to upload to iTunes. It's hard. <laughs> well, that, that's where the rest of our team comes in, the, who, who are not here, but the, the Jewish public media people are yes. lovely people. I, I also would not be able to uh, do the uploading and distribution on my own. It is nice that we are working with a few other folks at Jewish public media who have handled things like distribution and bandwidth and things that I yeah. don't speak and don't understand. And yeah. Somebody patiently talking me through uploading every episode that we do. So that's nice too. Yeah. So for people who haven't heard the podcast before, can you maybe describe what the podcast is, what the focus of it is? The focus of the podcast is Talmud, which is to say the rabbinic literature that was created from about 200 CE to about 500 CE, so really ancient stuff. But the idea is that because this literature has become the cornerstone of the Jewish religion for the last 2,000 years, or 1,500, the idea is to, to keep the material relevant and to keep the material interesting, but more than that, specifically to keep the material subversive. Listen, the, the rabbis of the past were not necessarily radicals. The rabbis of today certainly aren't. But I believe that there is a radical agenda in the Talmud and in the rabbinic literature because they lived under two distinct empires, the Roman Empire and uh, the Iranian Sassanid Empire. And it's my belief that they wrote a book about interacting with power and that we as modern citizens of an empire, the American empire, have something to gain from studying that relationship with power and also something very much to gain as Jews, as a people who do not fit the imperialist and nationalist agenda of the countries we find ourselves living in as much as we may on an institutional level hope to fit those agendas. Our benevolent overlord, David C. Kalman, who is the founder of Jewish Public Media, has described Radio Free Babylonia as a series of love letters to the Talmud, which is a lovely description and I think an accurate one. Yes, I, I love the Talmud. If for all its flaws and all its it's you know it, it's a it's a fifteen hundred year old text and it's you know nowhere near uh, politically perfect by modern standards or morally perfect by modern standards or literarily perfect by modern standards, but it is a fascinating and powerful text and one that completely transformed my life and thinking 
and I am hoping can have something of the same effect on my listeners. And I think it's not that the Talmud is a solution to the world's injustices in the eyes of the podcast. It's also that the Talmud is a manifestation of injustices and that those also are a part of the same heritage and that those need to be tackled in the same way that every other part of the Talmud is. Like, could you talk a bit more about that tension? Because I mean, I grew up uh, learning the Talmud. Me and David Svi actually went to the same Bnei Akiva oh. high school. And, oh, and I feel like the description of love letters to the Talmud is something that to a certain degree I can relate to because I definitely had a, a relationship with the Talmud, but there was also yeah. some pretty wacky stuff in there. And oh, yeah. when, when you're talking about you know, appreciating it, but also having this political relationship to it, coming at it as leftist today. Can you talk about that tension and how that manifests? Yeah. So, I mean, part of the show is me working out that tension. Part of my impetus for making the show is I found myself in these Torah learning spaces, Beit Midrashes, summer programs, things like that. And I found myself spending time with people who fell into one of two groups. Either they said, this is atrocious, right? There's no women in this book. Slavery seems to be a non-issue. And, you know, other horrors of a so-called primitive society. On the other hand, we had people who were like, no, this is a very advanced civilization, maybe more advanced than our own, morally advanced, and would end up saying things like, well, the slavery wasn't that bad. Right. It was a different kind of slavery than the slavery you're thinking of. Sure, women aren't people, but, you know, that wasn't their fault or, you know, so there are people who are willing to make a lot of excuses for the Talmud and people who are not willing to learn any Talmud. I don't describe what I'm doing as moderation because I don't think it is. I describe what I'm doing as as reading. I read the Talmud and I see what it says to me and what it says to other people, and I see what it, what it doesn't say or what it says and shouldn't say. My background is in reading old texts in general, right? I, I, I love this stuff. The outlook of the podcast is owning the fact that the study of Talmud and the structure of study has always been restricted in some way. The, the characters in the Talmud are a very specific elite group. And the people who study Talmud now also are a specific group, have to have the background, or you have to be the, the right gender to go to the right schools to get the right kind of acclaim to be known as a scholar. The perspective of the podcast is that Talmud should be available to everyone, which is why this is a great medium for distribution to people who are not necessarily going to enlist in a school where this is offered. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how the show has been received. Have you heard back from folks and what has that reception been like? I get to hear nice things. You know, no one's going to say to my face, it was a shitty show and I didn't like it and I didn't like the things you had to say. I mean, I, I hope someday to get something like that. I really, I really would love to hear from someone who hates my show. <laughs> Mo, that's that's how we end almost every one of our podcasts. <laughs> is is hearing from someone who hates your show? We're like, please send hate mail. <laughs> yeah, please send hate mail. No, we're you know we're the Jewish left guys. We're you know trying to make very powerful enemies who don't need to care about us. 
we're at the first they ignore you stage of things. You know, we want to get to then they laugh at you. And then we want to get to then they fight you and then then they then you win. Right. But uh, so so far, you know, I hear back mostly from people our age, 20 somethings, early 30 somethings. I would love to hear from my professors. I, I try to like send them episodes, you know, I, you know, people I've studied with rabbis and, and professors of Talmud who I've studied with. I've sent them episodes. They don't respond, but they're very busy people. So, you know, I'm not hurt. Most of the people I've heard back from are people I already know, especially educators and Jewish professionals around my age. We heard from somebody who writes a Talmud curriculum for elementary school, and she wanted to know if we could make a cleaner version of one of our episodes. Yeah, so I said damn could, or something. Yeah, <laughs> something truly scandalous. Yeah. Uh, she wanted to know if we could produce a version that was specifically for students, uh, which we opted to not do. The process is very time-consuming, which is unfortunately why we have few episodes, uh, despite having been at this for a while. We, unfortunately, right now, can't afford to take so much time out of our day jobs and other stuff to make special versions for for the kiddies. I think in that case, it was also that we, we opted to not make a special version, partly because it is a radical podcast and it shouldn't be censored. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, you feel like a jerk getting on your high horse for censorship for, uh, you know, when, you know, when someone's like, I want fifth graders to hear your work. Could you censor it please? And you're like, no, screw the fifth graders. Um, <laughs> well, if Talmud is for everyone, it should also be for fifth graders. If Talmud is for everyone, it should have, be for fifth graders, but we, whatever, we got on that high horse. <laughs> we, we decided, we decided censorship is not for us. <laughs> Can I ask another question about that tension we were talking about earlier? Oh, please. Because I, I, I feel like we're talking about it in terms of access, but I'm also curious about it in terms of content, because you're talking about mm. the perspective that you guys have as a radical one, you know, getting to the root of the sources of the problems in our society, sources of oppression. And I'm wondering if you see how that analysis informs your reading of the Talmud. I mean, in my in my recollection of reading the Talmud, there was a lot of rape culture within it. There was a lot of racism, mm-hmm. and all, all the things that plague our society today. And, and I'm, I'm wondering what your analysis is of the presence of it within the Talmud and how inherent it is to the Talmud or not inherent it is. Right. What I want to say about that tension sort of goes back to the access question, but not really, which is, I'm okay with people walking away from Talmud saying, this is too awful a book. If someone really gave it a shot and read it, you know, not cover to cover, right? It's a humongous book. But if someone, you know, listens to my show, for example, which is a pretty innocuous digest in some ways, and says, he's making excuses for something I don't think anyone can make any possible excuse for. The Talmud's erasure of women, the Talmud's rubber stamping of rape, I mean, or, or even, you know, less politically charged stuff and more just factual stuff, right? The Talmud believes in demons and I don't. I'm okay with people walking away and those being deal breakers. I just think that there's still something there, right? I mean, one thing I try to do in the show is emphasize that this was the imagination of a few men. This was a culture created by a few men imagining a world together. And their imagination, like a lot of people's imagination, ended up coming out into the real world and affecting real life things. And 
because it's a work of imagination, it is very beautiful and is also very terrible. These were what we would consider men with problems, right? Big problems and attitudes and ideas that we would just find shameful. But at the same time, they were men with attitudes and ideas that we would find revelatory and uh, revolutionary. Uh, you know, like life, it's not cut and dry, right? Some of the analysis of where does misogyny in Judaism come from has to go back further than the Talmud. And then sometimes I just have to say uh, there is no excuse making. There isn't, there's nothing I can say or do that's going to make it okay. And before we let you go, is there anything that you felt we didn't ask you that you think people who are listening to this podcast should know about the show? I think for the Jewish left, there's a lot of discussion of, understandably, of the fights that need to take place, right? To, to take on uh, the federations, to take on uh, a lot of the, the, the way the Jewish world is structured, the concerns we're supposed to have, quote unquote. And so there's a lot of focus on, you know, strategies like BDS or Palestinian ally work or uh, reorganizing the funding in the communities or how to get young people involved and things like that. At the end of the day, I think what makes Judaism is a common literary heritage among other common cultural heritages. And what, what I want to do with the podcast is that when we tear down, you know, the Jewish world as it exists today, I want there to be a Jewish world that's waiting for us. So the goal is, is for Talmud to be a part of that. And, uh, and that's, that's what I'm doing. So tear down the institutions, but don't burn all the books. Yeah, tear down the institutions, but for God's sakes, leave the books alone. <laughs> Uh, that is another good tagline for you too. If uh, yeah, you're considering yeah, we, we switching, come up with them all the time. If folks are listening and they want to follow the podcast, is it regularly uploaded to iTunes? Can people subscribe on iTunes? Oh yeah, people can subscribe on iTunes. They can subscribe on SoundCloud, Stitcher, <laughs> where everywhere podcasts want to be. <laughs> That's where we live, and you can find us at RadioFreeBabylonia.org. Well, thanks so much uh, again for joining us, guys. Oh, thank you. Thanks, guys. There is a sugya where the rabbis are like, I saw a wrist once. It was terrible. It was the worst. Yeah, it distracted me for days. I couldn't study Torah.